please turn your Bibles to Ephesians chapter 6. Ephesians chapter 6, we are looking at our last piece in the armor of God, the sword of the Spirit, in verse 17. I'm going to read Ephesians 6, verses 10 through 18, so that we'll make sure we have the context here for this armor of God, the spiritual warfare that God has called us to. This is God's holy and inerrant and authoritative word to us this morning. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers and against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day and having done all to stand firm. Stand, therefore, having fastened on the belt of truth. And having put on the breastplate of righteousness. And as shoes for your feet. Having put on the readiness given by the gospel of peace. In all circumstances. Take up the shield of faith. With which you can extinguish all the flaming darts of the evil one. And take the helmet of salvation. And the sword of the spirit. Which is the word of God. Praying at all times in the spirit. With all prayer and supplication. Let's pray. Father, we thank you now for this sword of the Spirit, the Word of God. And so, Lord, now would you penetrate our hearts? Would you, would you cut through the, the sin, the distractions, the, the confusion, the, the, the noise? Father, help us to see the truth that you have for us this morning. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. I'll never forget one of the first times I cut myself with a knife. I was around eight or nine years old. Christmas was coming. And back in my day, before the internet, the Sears and Roebuck Christmas catalog would arrive at our home. Anybody else remember that? (laughs) I think it was great. And in that vast many pages of materialism was the, was the knife section. And as I began to make my Christmas list and look at those knives, I found the one that caught my eye. It was a buck skinning knife, a black pearl handle, an eight-inch stainless steel blade with a stainless steel hilt, and that knife made it to the top of my Christmas list. And my mom would have nothing of it. (laughs) But to everyone's horror on Christmas Day, my great uncle surprised me with that knife. (laughs) I'll never forget the look on my mom's face. It's a big knife. I still have it today. (laughs) My uncle, my great uncle was a great influence to me. Fought in the Korean War, World War II. He taught me a lot about responsibility. He taught me how to sharpen a knife, to take care of a knife, and to use it rightly. 
but being an eight or nine or ten-year-old boy, I, of course, did not use it rightly one day, and I was cutting a piece of tape or something like that and cut my finger with a knife I was not supposed to get for Christmas. I still have the finger, by the way. Um, But I'll also never forget the first time that I can truly remember the Word of God cutting my heart, cutting me deeply, penetrating my heart in such a way that it felt like having open-heart surgery. I was a freshman in college at Mississippi State University, sitting in RUF large group and hearing a sermon from Ephesians and, and, and feeling the Word of God cut my heart as I was taught and as I heard that it is by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not your own doing. It is not by works. It is because of everything that Jesus had done for me. I was cut to the core by the gospel that day. The word of God penetrated my heart. And this is what the word of God does. This is why the Apostle Paul here calls it the sword of the spirit. Because it, when it is properly used in spiritual warfare, it can be the most effective weapon to defeat our enemies. But it also penetrates hard hearts and makes hard hearts new. The writer of Hebrews describes this in the most profound way. It was one of our meditative verses here printed in your bulletin, Hebrews 4.12. For the word of God is is living and active. It's not just words on a page. It's it's living, it's active, it's it's moving, and it's sharper than a two-edged sword. Listen to this descriptive language that the writer used. It, It pierces the soul. It cuts right through soul and spirit joints and marrow, and it discerns the thoughts and the intentions of the heart. Is this not what God's word does? It is like a sword. Just reading these words is, is cutting. And this is why these cutting words are so important as we consider spiritual warfare in the Christian life. And in this war that we've been called to, we've been called to be ready. And so in order to be strong in the Lord and in the strength of His might, we must put on the whole armor of God and we must take up weapons for this warfare. And the sixth and final piece in this armor of God that we must take up and put on is the sword of the Spirit, which Paul says is the very Word of God. This is the only piece of equipment that has been listed so far that can undoubtedly be used for offensive and defensive purposes. And I can think of nothing more important in the Christian warfare than the sword of the Spirit, the Word of God, our Bibles. You take me into a room and you show me all the 
armor and equipment that you can that you could have and say you could just take one i'm going for the sword every time i've seen some of our children around here your bibles even have a sword printed on them is that just so they'll look cool it's actually biblical the bible is the sword of the spirit yes we need all these other pieces of equipment they are vital for our protection and spiritual strength but it's the Word of God that gives us the truth, that gives us the knowledge of these things. It's the Word of God, the, the Holy Scriptures, the Bible that, that give us knowledge of righteousness, of the gospel, of faith, of salvation. It is the Word of God, the Holy Scriptures, the Bible that were inspired by the Holy Spirit. And it's a mighty sword, a mighty weapon in the Christian life. And so in order to stand and fight in the spiritual warfare that we've been called to, we're going to need the whole armor of God, not just some of it, all of it, every piece. And the sixth and final piece, the sixth and final item that we must take up is the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. And so let's look at this a little closer. Let's look at three things related to this weapon. What, what is it? What exactly is it? Why do we need it? And how do we use it? First, what exactly is the sword of the Spirit? Well, thankfully, we are told very plainly here that the sword of the Spirit is the Word of God. And we must not divorce this word. We must not miss this word where he says it's of the Spirit. The Word of God is given to his people by the Holy Spirit, the third person of the Godhead, quite frankly, the forgotten member of the Trinity. I really appreciated Richard Pratt when he was here back in January, and I don't know if any of you caught this when he was preaching, but when he talks about the Holy Spirit, he didn't use the definite article, the. He just said Holy Spirit. And I think that was a great way just to remind us that he's God, that he's a person, that he's living and active, and he uses, he takes God's word, he takes the truth and makes it known to us. It is of the Spirit that this word of God comes to us. The word of God is a mighty sword wielded by the Spirit to accomplish God's purposes. The Apostle Peter teaches this plainly in his second letter. He instructs the Christians, the believers, to know this. He says, knowing this, first of all, that no prophecy of Scripture comes from someone's own interpretation. In other words, he's saying the Bible is just not some man-made book. It's not just some man's thoughts that he wrote down on paper. He says, for no prophecy was ever produced by the will of man. But men spoke from God as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. And that's what God's Word is. It is, it is Holy Spirit-inspired, Holy Spirit-driven words of God. It's living, it's breathing, it's active. Every single word of it is a sword, is God's Word. That other scripture there that was for meditation during the offertory. All scripture, every single word, is breathed out by God. It's inspired. It's God's breath. And it's, 
It's profitable, it's good, it's helpful, it's useful for teaching, for rebuking, for correcting, for training in righteousness. It's all good. The Bible is very important. We confessed from the confession of Shorter Catechism this morning. It's the rule by which we are to live our lives. It's the rule that God has given to direct us how to live and how to glorify and enjoy God. And it's without error. It is perfect. It is holy. It is righteous. It is good. It is a, it is a mighty sword in the Christian life, and we cannot live without it. That is what the sword of the Spirit is. The very word of God, the Bible. And so secondly, why do we need the sword of the Spirit? Why did Paul mention this item that we need in the Christian life? I think we've all been asked at one time or another this kind of what-if scenario. Okay, so it goes something like this. What if you were alone on a deserted island and you could just take one book with you? What book would you take? What would it be? Most Christians would say, well, I will take the Bible. Every time, I want the Bible with me. But why? Surely there are more entertaining books. Surely there are more practical books, like, you know, how to survive alone on a deserted island. (laughs) But why is the Bible so important? Why is it so important that Christians have been martyred? They've They've been killed for their beliefs in the Holy Scriptures. Why is it so important? Why is the Word of God, which is a sword listed here, is so vital to the armor of God that the Christian soldier must take it up and wield it rightly? The type of sword to which the Apostle Paul was talking about here was the Roman short sword called the Machaira. It was not like this long, big, huge, broad sword, you know, that William Wallace is carrying around, you know, that probably none of us could pick up. It was a, it was a short sword. Uh, double-bladed and very useful, very practical weapon for offensive and defensive maneuvers for a soldier. You could use it to strike your opponent, but also to defend blows, uh, the onslaught of your enemy's attacks. It's the same in the Christian life. The Word of God, the sword of the Spirit, has offensive and defensive purposes. The sword of the Spirit is an offensive and a defensive tool for us. With a defensive posture, we see many instances in the Scripture where the Word of God is used to fortify our defenses in battle and to help us, defend us in the Christian life. One such instance you may recall is in Matthew chapter 4 where Jesus is carried along by the Holy Spirit out into the desert for 40 days. And who is there to meet with him? None other than Satan, the devil himself. And what does he do? Does he, does he threaten uh, Christ with, with warfare? Or, or does, he, does he try to overpower Jesus? What does he do? No, he comes to Jesus with lies. But he comes to Jesus with the worst kind of lies because he distorts the word of God. He's he's quoting scripture to Jesus, saying, hey, Jesus, go ahead and jump off here and kill yourself because, you know, God will take care of you. 
But what do we see our Savior do? Christ models for us great swordsmanship as he strikes back at Satan with deadly blows and properly uses the word of God. And so for us, this is the defensive posture that we need in the Christian life. The the sword of the Spirit helps us to resist the devil because he's going to come at you with the worst lies. He's going to scheme. He's going to trick you. He's going to tell you things like, God wants you to be happy no matter what, so you just go ahead and do it. And we must be ready with the sword of the Spirit to hold the truth of God forward to resist the devil his attacks and his lies. But another way that we need this sword of the Spirit to be used for defensive purposes in our own life is because we all know the the sin and the temptation that's right here. The lies that we know that we're prone to believe. And so we need God's Word dwelling in us and helping us to fight the sin and temptation I love Psalm 119, verse 11. Please memorize it. Psalmist says, I have hidden your word or I have stored up your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. You see this defensive maneuver used here? We're going to sin. We're going to disobey. We're going to disappoint God. But the defensive use of the sword of the Spirit here is when that God's word is is hidden in your heart, is stored up. When you, when you want to disobey your parents, when you want to lie, when you want to cheat, when you want to steal, God's word rushes in and says, no, don't do that. For it is not God's will. The sword of the Spirit is a great defensive weapon. But there are certainly times when the sword of the Spirit is an offensive weapon. I don't know if you realize this, I've been stabbing you all morning. And you've been stabbing yourself. We've been reading God's word, the sword of the spirit. And it's penetrating our heart. And that's where Hebrews 4.12 is such a great illustration, such a descriptive way of the word of God being a, a penetrating weapon, cutting deeply to our hearts. Also, the word of God, I've heard it described in like, arrows being driven into our heart. I, I like archery. I go back in the backyard and shoot the target and that thump and that arrow just sinks in. It sticks. And you have to go and really work it to get it out of there. And that's what the Bible does. It convicts us. It changes us. It's remaking us, remolding us, penetrating us. Martin Luther tells the story in one of his letters one time of the devil appearing to him in his study. I don't know if this really happened, but this was the way he described it. And Satan himself appeared there to Luther and said, look, I've got this long list of sins that you've committed, and I'm going to read them all to you and show you how guilty and how awful you are. Luther wisely thrust the sword of the Spirit straight at Satan, proclaiming, I admit that I deserve death and hell, but what of it? For I know the one who suffered and made satisfaction on my behalf. His name is Jesus Christ, the Son of God, and where he is, there I shall be also. So I just imagine Satan just tucking his tail and getting out of there. 
because there's nothing he can do for those who are in Christ Jesus. Or perhaps the greatest work of the sword of the Spirit is in evangelism and sharing the gospel with others. We often think that we need to master this technique of evangelism and have this eloquent speech in order to share gospel the gospel with others. And some of us just got back from a conference being told that we needed to do that. But the truth is the most powerful weapon, the most powerful method, the most guaranteed weapon to convert the soul is the sword of the Spirit, the Word of God penetrating a hard heart with the gospel. John Stott states it this way, that God uses the sword of the Spirit to cut through people's defenses, to prick their consciences and to stab them spiritually awake. Leading someone to Christ by clever devices or by eloquent speech or this airtight argument is not necessarily going to to cut it. It must be the Holy Spirit taking the words of God and changing a sinner. That is what it promises to do in Psalm 19. The law of the Lord, the word of God, it's perfect. The psalmist says it converts, it revives the soul. The testimony of the Lord is sure, making wise the simple. Even if you couldn't speak, the word of God is living and active and it will penetrate. It will accomplish the purposes for which God sent it. And so that is why we need the sword of the spirit. But how do we, how do we use the sword of the spirit? How do, we, how do we wield it rightly? To be effective in spiritual warfare, we need to have good swordsmanship here. And so how do we wield this sword? It takes lots of practice. I have never practiced swordsmanship. It sounds fun, but I don't need another hobby. But I can imagine those who want to be good with the sword have to practice. Often they practice alone, thinking about defensive and offensive maneuvers. But the most effective way that probably a swordsman can practice is with others. It's the same in the Christian life, right? If we want to wield the sword of the Spirit, the Word of God, wouldn't it be best that we do it with others? That we practice good swordsmanship with our brothers and sisters in Christ. And of course, I'm talking about our Bibles. We're talking about using and wielding the Word of God here. And so there are just five ways I want to challenge you in this. Five ways to use the sword of the Spirit alone, but with each other. The first is hearing. We need to hear the Word of God. And please come every Sunday morning. I mean, I've been practicing all week here, you know. <laughs> I want you to come hear it. <laughs> but there are other times. You know, there's, I mean, think the day and age that we live in, the technology, you can listen to a sermon, you can hear the Word of God anywhere, anytime, I mean, in the shower, there's waterproof speakers. I saw a refrigerator the other day with a screen on it that'll talk to you. I mean, think about all the ways we can hear the Word of God. 
The Apostle Paul says in Romans 10, so faith comes from hearing and hearing through the word of Christ. We need to hear the good news often. Secondly, by reading. We need to read God's word. It is part of the Christian life. It is this, the most vital thing for this training that we need to be doing. To read it every day so that we may know what God's word is. Richard Phillips says this, Without filling your minds with scripture, you are neglecting the mightiest of all our weapons and subjecting yourself to defeat. And so to be renewed and refreshed daily, we need to be reading the word of God. And don't, don't complicate it. I'm not talking about two hours a day here. You know, turn off the phone, turn off the distractions, and just and, and get back to this thing called, a, called paper and, and just read. Five minutes, ten minutes. Read God's word and then meditate on it. We read that passage there from Isaiah 55. I love that illustration as the rain and the snow come down, watering the earth, filling up the soil with moisture so that things grow, so that fruit is produced, so to the word of God that comes from his mouth. We need the word of God to penetrate us and to help us grow. And so we need, to, we need not just to read it, but think about it. Meditate on it. A fourth way, and one of the most effective ways that I think to, to wield the sword is memorizing, storing up God's word in your heart. I've, we, you've got like four really good ones listed here in your bulletin. Take it home and and memorize these, these words so that they will come to mind and you can resist the devil and the temptation that comes. And then finally, studying God's word. I have found this also to be one of the greatest ways that we can grip the sword of the spirit firmly by studying God's word, by digging in, by training ourselves, by learning to be great swordsmen with other swordsmen. Of all these biblical and tested ways that Christians are called to take up the sword of spirit, we need them and we neglect them to our peril. We need them. This is why I believe it is so important to carry a Bible with you wherever you go. If you're here this morning and you're thinking, man, that guy, I don't understand him, or what is he talking about? Well, I'm talking about the Bible, and maybe you hadn't opened it this morning. Maybe you don't have a Bible. If you don't, in the chair backs there, or underneath the chairs, there are some nice black ESV Bibles. You take one. Take it home with you. It's not stealing. We're giving it to you. We'll buy some more. We want you to have a sword. Don't walk out of here without a sword. You need a sword. You can get it electronically. We need the scriptures available to us at any moment so that we won't go out into battle naked without armor, without weapons, because you are no use to Christ or to defending yourself against Satan's schemes and lies without the word, the sword of the spirit, the Bible. 
we need our Bibles. We love our Bibles here. We're going to talk about the Bible here a whole lot. Because let's face the truth. We are at war. Spiritual warfare is real. Pastor Kent Hughes says, our razor-sharp weapon is God's Word, and we are fools to keep it in the scabbard simply because our culture says it can't cut. It's no good. It's, it's no use. Because that's what the enemy wants us to believe, that the Bible is irrelevant or archaic and not understandable. So just keep it in its sheath, you know, put it away, keep it to yourself where it is, of course, harmless and out of the way. But that's the truth. If it's a sword, it's going to cut somebody. It's going to offend somebody. It's going to hurt somebody. Because that's what the scriptures do. So let me ask you, what kind of soldier are you? What kind of soldier are you? Are you trying to live life and battle the spiritual forces of evil without proper weapons? Without a weapon at all? Can you be of any use to Christ without the sword of the Spirit in your hand? The only way that you can be convinced, though, that the sword of the, of the Spirit is the ultimate weapon, is the greatest weapon, is that you need to start using it. And seeing it used. Then you will see how life-saving it is. Then you will see what a wonderful tool that God has given us to us. I mean, think about it. We've got the Bible, the sword of the Spirit, in every flavor, language, color that you could imagine. It is so accessible. We are fools not to use it. We need to see how life-giving and life-saving it is. Think of these words of Moses. Moses here, final sermon, end of Deuteronomy. He's about to die. God has told him, you cannot go into the promised land, but I'm going to take you up on the mountain and let you see it. But Joshua is going to take the people into the promised land. And so Moses has his final words, his final sermon, the final thing that he wants to tell the people. And in Deuteronomy 13, we read this. He says, and when Moses had finished speaking all these words to Israel, he said this, the last recorded words of Moses. Take to heart all the words by which I am warning you today. Now, all the words, this was their Bible. The first five books of the Bible, the Torah, the Pentateuch, Genesis to Deuteronomy, God's holy words given through Moses, inspired through Moses, On Mount Sinai, here it is, God's Word, God's Bible. Take to heart all these words that you may command them to your children and that you may be careful to do all the words of this law. He says, for it is no empty word for you. These are not just motivational nice thoughts. This is not your motivational calendar for the day. This is, he says, your very Life. The Bible are the words of life so that you shall live long in the land that you are crossing over the Jordan to possess. And so ask yourself this morning, 
Will you take up the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God, realizing that they are not just empty words, but they are the words of life. They will save your life. May God help us. May God strengthen us. May God equip us to take up the sword of the Spirit and wield it honorably so that we may glorify Him and enjoy Him forever. Let's pray. Father, we freely confess to You that we do not see the Bible as a sword that we look at it as some kind of optional piece of equipment that if we feel like it, we'll pick it up any given day. But Lord, help us to see that it is life-saving and life-giving. And we thank you for the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God that you have given to us, that you have trained us and that you have equipped us with. And so, Lord, convict our hearts. Help us to see how vitally and important it is for Men and women and children and everyone, give us strength, Lord, to take up the sword of the Spirit. Father, pierce our hearts. Pierce our hearts with the gospel, with the truth of Jesus, so that we will want to honor and glorify him every day in all that we do. For it is in his name that we pray. Amen.